Cyberpunk delayed again. And a brand new Crash Bandicoot 4? Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, your other host, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 168. 168. Uh, if you want to stick around to the end of the episode, if this is your first time finding us, then you can see where you can find us elsewhere and when you can find us, as well as on social media and whatnot. But to get this show going the right way, we are eventually going to talk about a couple of interesting news things, but we like to start off the show with a very simple... What have you been up to and what have you been playing? Which we can also extend to you guys. If y'all ever want to on the YouTube video or just over in the Discord, hop on and let us know what you've been playing. I love to hear it. I often find people playing games that I really love and I get excited when someone gets to experience something you've already experienced and you're kind of just waiting for their reaction to it. Uh, but what do you Tell been up me to? about it. Um, <laughs> so I've been playing right. Destiny 2 still. Um, played last night with some friends, played Friday night with some friends. Pretty much every day this week, uh, we've been playing Friday Night with Kiki. You make a hot girl, by the way. <laughs> I knew that was Kiki because I could tell by his glasses, right? But open up Discord to see uh, to see a trap, as they say. <laughs> it's a face swap of Kiki or whatever. Um, but uh, I did not pick up The Last of Us Two. Um, Big surprise. I am. Is that sarcasm? Yes, it was. I am. Uh, not too <clears throat> generally happy with what I've seen in terms of the story, so I'm just gonna wait till it goes on sale. It seems like most big Sony games have been going on sale for like 40 bucks uh, or two forty dollars uh, within like a month or two of release. And I've been wanting to play something, and I think I'm just going to wrap my brains and get through Days Gone. Y'all let me know. Everybody, everybody always says the same thing about that game. It's really slow, but then in about four to ten hours, it opens up. Y'all let me know what y'all's approximate time is. Brett said ten hours. And that I've was going off four. of weird memory, but I know that it may be off the way I play the game because you know it's an open world game and I'm weirdly meticulous where I just kind of look for everything that I can as long as the game doesn't I do that to an to extent do I don't look for everything but I yeah. look I, I look around and if I, I can tell pretty early if it's a game that oh they're going to hide stuff everywhere or they're not going to hide anything anywhere yeah. they're going to like it's going to be very specific I'm going to have to use a god or something like that well I'd say with a game like um, with a game like this and a game like even The Last of Us, when you start getting into games where survival mechanics come into play, I tend to think that they're going to hide things that you actually could be very useful pretty well, or at least in a way that would warrant you to search. It's kind of like Fallout. You know, like you go around and looking in Fallout, definitely in like 76, where it's way more survival oriented, where it's like if you want to have enough ammo, you either have to make ammo buy ammo which is really expensive or you gotta scrounge around and find it and i think that that's something that the first last of us the last of us two so far has done really well and also what i think um um days gone has done really well yeah i I figure with games like these especially since you're after hunting for or you're out hunting for ammo that'll be something you kind of want to go find more and more of especially since i'll probably there's difficulties in days gone right I think so. Okay. I'll probably put on like the second highest difficulty, which would probably mean I'm going to use more ammo than normal. So then I'm going to be trying to scavenge for more ammo. But I'm trying to remember. It may have done the uh, God of War and Horizon thing where difficulties came later. Like they came as where they're in the game, but they came as uh, a free update like a couple months after from launch. Did Horizon Zero Dawn have New Game Plus at launch? No. Okay. Nor did God of War. I I knew that. I didn't know that. I couldn't remember because I remember thinking... 
um, we know we saw the new Horizon trailer. I'm like, you know, that kind of makes me want to go back and play Horizon Zero Dawn, but mm-hmm. I kind of don't have a reason to because I have the Platinum. Um, Frozen Wilds. That, well, that would be the one reason. That'd be my reason. And then too. we talked about New Game Plus, and I remember thinking when we said that during last week, I was like, wait, I don't remember New, new Game Plus being a thing because I rem- distinctly, and I think I said it last week too, remember saying that um, you get the coolest suit of armor at the end of the game, where you don't really have an opportunity to use it a whole lot. Well, yeah, you get it in pursuit of the platinum. Really, yeah, is you know much. whether or not you're actually going for the platinum. It's one of the things that you do post game. But uh, what have you been playing this week? I think the answer is pretty obvious. Well, I mean, I've been playing a couple of things. Uh, I played Sea of Thieves with my buddies uh, Donovan. I sent him my uh, Gears of y'all War never, Five. Y'all Xbox. never send me an invite when y'all are on. Uh, that was very short notice. I apologize about that. Uh, that text was, messages can be short notice. Yeah, that was Monday. At like, well, it was a time where you normally are talking about laying down and going to bed oh, it yeah. was like it was like nine or nine thirty on a monday if i'm remembering correctly um yeah if y'all hop on at like 5 p.m I'll... yeah donovan's the weird one out there because i think he as long as today he's off we can probably do that but uh either way played uh sea of thieves some and that game continues to be updated and made better and better and uh thankfully for the people that bought it at 60 dollars, that is the case uh just like we talked about with god of war and horizon being updated later I like to see games continuously get added value. Definitely a game like Sea of Thieves that I don't necessarily would think worth $60 at launch. Uh, but of course, it didn't need to necessarily be because it was more of like a show child for why you should pay for Games Pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it definitely, it was kind of like No Man's Sky where it's like, I didn't really feel like No Man's Sky was completely worth $60 at launch, but like 40 would have been more ideal. That's how I felt about Sea of Thieves, but uh, yeah, that continues to be fun, and they've done a bunch. Uh, Donovan and I, while we were waiting, uh, actually, it was just Donovan and I. Blake did not play this time around. That's sad. He was fun to play Sea of Thieves with last oh, he, time. He's still, yeah, I've played with him since uh, he's playing on PC these days. Uh, but it's like a that. role reversal. Like I'll probably play on my Xbox since I have it on my Xbox downloaded. And I played on PC just Eric. like you did. And yeah, and now you will be on Xbox, I'll be on Xbox, but Blake will be on PC. Yeah. Uh, so I played that... Um, PlayStation has been interesting. I played um, Life is Strange 2. And what did I play before Life is Strange? I know I played something. And now it's killing me. Oh, I played Blackwood Crossing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like that game. It's very short. It's very narrative-driven. It wasn't very much money. Even without being on sale, it was $15 or fifteen ninety nine, something like that. Um, it's kind of like, from what I've seen, a Firewatch experience where you go through and like, you know, there is some gameplay, there's some puzzle solving, but a lot of it's just a really interesting narrative beat. Uh, and then by the time that you kind of twist on what's going on, the way that it handles it, I really liked it. Also, the game is really pretty. Like it looks like an animated movie. I can tell. Uh, yeah. And I like that. Uh, not, not just necessarily perfectly. It's got a couple of telltale things, but I mean, kind of reminds me of fable right here. Like the face of that character. Well, and you know, what's funny is that the voice acting, because it's a, it's a game from, you know, that's British. Uh, it's got that same kind of voice acting you'd expect from fable. Um, it Don't actually kind of reminded like me, you know, with the F on his shirt, uh, and the, the Cape, it reminds me of the trailer for the, and it's weird because I just talked about playing Life is Strange 2, even though I don't play it. What was like the Wondrous Adventures of Captain Awesome or whatever, the free yeah. game that they put out beforehand, uh, which now that I understand what it is, I wish I would have gone and played it because it is free. Uh, but I'm already past that point in the story, so I may go back and play it for Life is Strange 2. I didn't beat Life is Strange 2 yet, though I do intend to. I got the Platinum for Blackwood Crossing, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Life is Strange 2, I'm in 
I'm almost to the end of the third chapter, the third episode, I guess is what you'd call that. Uh, and then The Last of Us came out, and I decided to go ahead and hop into it to see what was going on there. So I've got to bounce between some titles, probably, which is going to be interesting. Uh, but yeah, The Last of Us 2, without saying anything spoilery at all, um, Saul and I just right now, and of course, it, we know different bits of information. And where Saul knows legitimate information, I have experience with the game in its proper form. So those two things are at, at, at different sections are just kind of at odds. So me and Saul will have to have a much more deep discussion when I can fully talk about it amongst me and him. Yeah. And once uh, I fully play it, because like, like I said, it's, I have a feeling come August, maybe September, it'll drop. Oh, okay. Yeah. To yeah. 40 and I'll buy yeah, it. Even if just a temporary sale or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So. I just, after division Anthem, I, I'm sick of playing, paying $60 for games that I'm not going to put $60 worth of time into. Um, and right now, <clears throat> to me, from what I've, from what I've read and from what I've seen in videos, I don't exactly feel like I will enjoy this story as much as I did the first one. So I'm not exactly saying that this one is not worth $60. I'm just saying for me, it's not worth $60 right now. Um, the story has kind of demotivated me to play it enough that I don't want to really spend $60 on it. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm sick of spending $60 on games that I, I'm not going to fully enjoy or, or just buying on a whim and thinking like, oh, this will be fun. It's only $60. Like, no, nah, I'm just not going to spend money like that anymore. Um, and it's fair. I normally don't buy games straight out for $60, uh, as I've shown with recent examples of like getting Greedfall for 40 instead of the 50 that it actually was supposed to be. I think I got, Even though I love that I think game. I got Greedfall at, at actual full price. I don't remember, though. Plague Tale I also got at Walmart uh, for $10 less and ended up loving it. Uh, even though it was like a try man eater, I really love despite the little bit of bugs and I got it, uh, for cheaper 33 or whatever, instead of the 40, you know, 33 plus tax instead of the 40. Um, so I definitely understand that definitely on games that you don't 100% know and more so when it's from developers that you don't 100% know that you like too. it's like you kind of, but even then I think Anthem's a good example of, uh, as much as I love the game, I think it's a good example of expectations from a developer meaning very little because as much as I love the game I'm not going to sit there and tell people that if you like Bioware games you're going to like Anthem because I that, don't necessarily that's, think that that's, that's my true. spot with, with The Last of Us too yeah. I, I, I'm not going to sit there and say like I hate Naughty Dog but I'm not going to say like oh yeah it's Naughty Dog you'll love it because I'd say I, I've personally seen a couple of other people in my opinions like that I know like we were talking about Brennan mm-hmm. um, and I was telling you like kind of like the thing with him and I know generally like, Metacritic is getting bombed. That's always going to happen with any AAA release nowadays. That's not even worth bringing up or defending or anything like that. Every game's going to get bombed on Metacritic by when they open up the um, consumer review side. Yeah, the user review. Um, but Which always opens on day of release, right? It does, I believe, yeah. And I, kinda, I find that weird because who on the user reviews is going to be able to play that game and have a review-ready thing? The same one? thing like uh, Sony does it. I think Nintendo does it, and I think Microsoft does it, where you can leave games on, on uh, you can re- leave reviews on games on the PlayStation Store that haven't come out yet. Yep, it's You can do that on GameStop, too, now that you mention it. Can you? Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, games aren't even out, and people can leave reviews, and they're like, one star, this, this. I'm like, I've gotten, that makes no sense. I've gotten to the point now like where I realized, uh, and I've kind of slowly started realizing this over the past year, is like most of these major publications like Game Informer, IGN, GameSpot, all these other these places, they, they seem to have what I call no bad game syndrome, where most AAA titles that release 
um, they always get a 7.5 or higher, okay, even though there's so, some of them are undeserving of that. Okay, so that's actually really interesting, and I just think you should watch it because it, it was – I some of the things that I've thought, too, when you look at a number scale and think of where that would naturally fall, it seems weird sometimes that you're like, why do so many games get – that high of a score because you think like you're probably like me when you look at a five your idea is like a five a five is average yeah right like, wouldn't like, that be like middle ground and yeah it's like, like i've played plenty of games that were sevens that were that felt like middle grounds to me and um alana pierce put out you know she's ex-ign oh, now she works at i saw the, the, uh, the insight uh, to the ign's review system but well, insight to most yeah. it, it's kind of reviews in general and she's like you know ign for sure because she worked there but even people she knows that definitely on the scale of 10 a five is not average actually an average is around a seven and that the reason you see most triple a games get sevens to even eights and you know a lot of games get eights and nines is because she said you know very seldom is a game just truly a triple a game which is what they spend most of their time reviewing because a small game like uh the random indie game that just came out yesterday is not going to pull very many views to the site so it's like when you when you waste a lot of time and energy on that it kind of it's kind of disingenuous though it it is to an extent but i understand it's still business so you can't be putting a ton of time and effort on a game that's going to have very little return people can still play it and have their own thoughts and they can talk about it on like their podcast and stuff they do but in terms of wasting legitimate and paying per you know for reviews and stuff and going out there you could maybe do it really cheaply to like someone else but then you have to deal with outsourcing stuff which has gotten them in problems before when they've outsourced articles to people and then they've gotten plagiarism <laughs> you know right. there's, there's tons of stuff that can happen so uh, to that I did find it interesting because I was like I guess he's right like even games that I don't think are good they're not okay, I should say that even games that I don't find that I enjoy that get rated 7.5s and 8s I don't really the only thing for me is like huh it just seems like an average game that that kind of seems high but when you when you move the goalpost to be that a 7 is kind of your typical average for definitely a triple a game then I can kind of understand where the points See, line up. I don't guess I agree that a seven is average. I still think a seven is well is, is a good game. And we should say that and it's not a I don't know that I get what you mean and I guess I should say that any scale is only worth what you give the scale value to. So it's like uh People will be like, actually, there's a line in The Last of Us too, but there's plenty of games that will have uh, a quip or something where someone's like, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being this and 10 being this, and sometimes they'll go more like 1 being this, 5 being this, 10 being yeah. this, where do you put it? Uh, I think that as long as you set parameters as to what your scale is, then it's fine. Because if you give a 7, but then I can go look and clearly see, and there is a spot on our, on IGN where you can look at their rating system and what yeah. they mean, then you can see that 7 is kind of like average. 5 is uh, is... Specifically mediocre. mediocre. Yeah, and it should be. And and that, that seems reasonable. So when you start looking at that, I think that you can give your your star or rating system whatever you want, as long as you give parameters as to why those numbers exist. The way I don't they think do. I don't think parameters are the important part. I think staying consistent in your rankings. Oh sure, or it's more but important. Your than parameters, parameters. Your parameters should set you staying consistent with your ranking. Not, if you if you're no, following, not exactly though, because instead of having to worry about people playing with parameters or people who who are reading the reviews, it's more it's more easy to understand where this reviewer naturally falls in line with certain kinds of games based off of that's their true history well. with their store yeah, that's uh, scores. True as well. Um, but I've come across like there's there's been tons of games that have come out like for me specifically like yearly releases like Call of Duty Madden all those games like I've not seen one push the boundaries of something close to a ten in a while. Modern Warfare is great, yeah. that's definitely an eight game. But then to see game like some some publications give it like a nine point five, I'm like, 
like you just don't want to like lose friends with Activision is what you're doing. Well, and that's something else he talks about there yeah. is that, that that's not actually as common. Like, of course, there are going to be people. It's not common people. for them, but it's common for small YouTubers who are just getting into I the scenes and they don't want to say, make Naughty Dog mad. There's a guy. Which she also brings up, just while we're on that particularly, she also brings that up in how it affects Metacritic. Smaller people who give things 10s and 9.5s and stuff that may be doing it for the wrong reasons. They're just doing it for being Are fans. actually weighted very differently. So yeah. reputable sources like IGN and all these different big publications, their reviews are weighted higher so that a, a, a torrent of small people who are just trying to get their, you know, trying to potentially nose rub, you know, yeah. uh, cannot come in and get a game's Metacritic way higher than it really should be. They balance it by giving, and YouTube does the same thing. It's like when you put a, a when you put SEO down, it's like, well, that SEO for you is not near as good as the SEO for this person who's more reputable. So right. they, they kind of – so, again, reasonable. And, and my, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Well, no, my thing is, though, is that, like, you can't ever – like, it, it, over time, I'd say over, like, a year is when you can finally trust the uh, user reviews on stuff like that. They tend to balance themselves out. They do because, uh, like, you look at it now, you go back and look at, like, Horizon, Days Gone – uh, the Last of Us remastered. The Last the Last of Us d- d- uh, days not days behind left behind DLC. Oh yeah, um, they all are sitting at high like mid eights to nines and stuff like that on the user base where they probably got review bombed too when they first came out. Especially Days Gone, I remember that happening. Yeah, I remember Days Gone. And now it's sitting it's sitting out at a higher. I think it's like an eight on Metacritic. Um, but like my thing is, it's like I feel like the higher up you are in an organization, the more that you are writing more positive things to keep in bed with publishers and, and companies and stuff to a nature. Because if say if a writer, because you got to think about it too, these are all individual people, but they're having to reflect their company. So if a writer for IGN came out and rated the last of us two a two, and that was the main review on their website, they're going to get every kind of hate in the world. And you got to think about this as like all those people who get angry hate upset on who? Twitter, everybody who loves the game. Okay. Cause it makes sure I'm following. Yeah. Um, they're going to get all the hate in the world. And I would guarantee you that if somebody felt that way about the game and they were the one reviewing it, IGN would still make them take it down. That review would not stay up. I don't know. It's, it's definitely possible. Uh, Alana also mentions that. And she said, you know, one of the things about, and I, and I get it, because honestly, if I was a writer, I know I would be too. Actually, Let, they, let's say that me and you, right? Let's say that you and I actually started getting to the point where we could review stuff, right? Uh, I know that for me personally, I would not review something higher just because I wanted to stay in good with the people. No. The thing for me that is true it's, that, that Alana says is not only is it ethics and credibility, but the other side is, is the person, the, pe- the, the people that you should be way more scared of because they have way more of an ability to really just make you miserable is people, normal, everyday people. And definitely on the internet when it's normal, it's not really normal, everyday people. It's the people who are just the mob mentality group who if you say anything that's against what they think so really this this is the thing ign we'll use them as the example did give the last of us to a 10 out of 10 yeah all right i've read the review i watched the review and i i wholeheartedly believe from everything i've played on and then looking at what he said that i i think he truly believes that and what alana said is that knowing who he is that she thinks that it's also how he feels about the game but that Actually, by giving the game a 10 out of 10 when it's more popular right now to hate on the game, really, everybody who's giving the game a higher rating right now is it is more a popular good ex- to hate on the game yes, right now? It, yes, it is. Uh, on the internet. 
I was gonna on right. the internet. Okay, I was gonna. I say think in person this. that in person those heat those temperatures change. You know, I think people who are willing to go out and spew hate all over the game uh, on internet in an excessive manner in an excessive manner. I bet you they. Well, I think if you talk to them about it, they'd sound more like you do when me and you are talking, where you clearly don't necessarily aren't happy with the game. Yeah, neither of them have played it because nobody has. Uh, uh, definitely well, at be, that you'd point, be, you'd be surprised at some of the people with their links. Like they'll go. Yeah, but that's what I mean. So there's going to be people who are spewing crazy ridiculous hardcore stuff and then like alana being threatened people saying that she should be raped for enjoying yeah. a game this is crazy it's, it's legit crazy. Yeah, and like, but those same people the moment you get them off of the computer and off the internet and 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 where they're you know accountable for who they're in front of and talking to they're not going to act that way absolutely. so that's how every internet weird, keyboard warrior yeah. is so it creates problems but yeah so really as a writer i know that i'm reflecting on that i know that if i was a writer or we were doing video reviews I would be, you know, if anything, you'd be more scared of, of giving games what you truly feel if you felt like it was going against the popular grain. I'll tell you right now. Even then, I mean, I'm just going to give a game what I think it is. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll tell you right now. If 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 The Last of Us 2 came out and they gave us a, a three-week early copy or whatever, and I played it and I feel this way right now that I you'd do, I'm it. not going to lie and say this game is my game of the year yeah. and that this game deserves all the awards and all that stuff. It's kind of like the same mentality people have, and I have it too against like Breath of the Wild. That, that game got rated 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 doesn't mean anything anymore. It just means like this is, this is the highest game. That's the highest recommendation I give you for a game. But 10 out of 10 literally means perfect. And no, no game is perfect. I disagree I know, with that. And in, that's, in, in that's why it's so overused and it's kind of like this is a bad review system. I don't feel like very many games get 10 out of 10s. I'd say per year. It'd be interesting to see how many games legitimately get 10 I'd out of 10s. I'd say like five. I'd say I'd almost say, every AAA I'd say three, release three or so at least per one. year. Um, every AAA release from at least one major company, whether it be Xbox Nintendo, I don't think Xbox has actually gotten a 10 out of 10 in a while. But uh, <laughs> I don't think Nintendo they've got a 10 out of 10 this entire generation. Um, and Nintendo or Sony, for sure, like they will get one 10 out of 10 a year from at least IGN, GameSpot, or Game Informer. I guarantee it. Actually, you know what? Forza Horizon. I could see the Forza series getting 10 out of 10s. That's, that's a series that deserve it, too. But let's, let's talk in the community. Either way, uh, yeah. We all went off on a weird tangent there. To, to end on one thing, though, that I didn't get to say was you, you talked about Naughty Dog. And I guess to clarify what I was saying about Anthem, I don't think Anthem taps into anything that you'd normally expect to see from a from a Bioware game. So if you think that you're going to like Anthem just because you like Bioware, I don't think that that game speaks to anything that normal people would think of when they think Bioware. Whereas well, I think I think... The Last of Us 2 speaks more to what you'd at least think Expect. you'd be getting from a Naughty Dog game. There's more in common with The Last of Us 2 and every other Naughty Dog game within the last 10 years than there is with, with Anthem and every other Bioware from the yeah. game from 10, the last 10 years. Well, so that's th- all I meant from my that. My thing is, though, is that like I've, I've kind of learned over the course of this past year, maybe two years, that like I cannot recommend a game just based on the studio if I've not played the game. I can't say, oh, yeah. you're really going to like Last of Us 2 because it's made by Naughty Dog. Well, have you played it? No, but it's Naughty Dog. I won't do that anymore. Yeah. I got the same thing goes for, like, I am excited to see Elden Ring because I don't know what it is. But I won't say that, like, I'm going to buy Elden Ring because Elden Ring can come out and be a horse simulator or something. It could be a horseback warfare. And, like, it may be made by From, sure, but, like, that doesn't mean I'm just going to suck it up. Now, Demon Souls, on the other hand, I'm going to suck it up. Like, <laughs> so that, I sh- that, 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 the game has had some amazing screenshots come out in the past few yeah, days. Yeah, and, and Blue Point does good work, and that leads me to where I'm at. I let it be a studio-by-studio studio basis that until they burn me, I will continue to buy their things day one and give them a chance, well, whatever I, it is. And I, I, and I really, unless I just see the game and it's so, I, like, I should say this. If Naughty Dog came out, or let, let's move off Naughty Dog. If um, 
Sony Santa Monica came okay. out and said, hey, our next game is a new IP where you're going to be putting together a wizard. puzzles. I'm not going to immediately buy that game just because it's Santa Monica. But it's so outside I, well, of... And I'm mainly talking about recommendations. Yes. I won't be able to recommend that game just because of yeah. the nature of so, it. Now, but if you tell me that Santa Monica is making a game that's even remotely in my... And this is on my personal interest, so recommendations are a little different. Uh, then, yeah, that's kind of where I stand. The Last of Us 2 looks like a game that I'd expect Naughty Dog to make. So for me, I'm willing to buy it, play it, and then let the game either prove its worth to me or prove that it isn't as good as, as everybody thinks it is. And God of War, same thing, because everybody had a lot of trepidation about God of War going yeah. in, as you would when a franchise that you've always known as one thing has suddenly changed drastically. But I think that, you know, as we all know, with, not, with God of War, at least me and you and a good number of our listeners that we've talked to, it was an amazing game. Yeah. There's no way for you to know that going That's about in. 10 but you had a lot of hope, you know what I mean? 10 out of 10, God yeah. of War. So. Um, by the way, just so everybody knows, I don't hate The Last of Us 2. I don't, I'm disappointed in it because of mainly two things, and that's where some parts of the game seem to have iffy writing, seem, the ending is something I don't agree with. And I know for sure the game will end for me badly because I do not like the ending. So that's one reason I'm not even worried about playing it right now because I know that I don't like the ending. I don't think there's anything in this world that could make me love the ending. I'm not going to say my feelings won't change by the end of it. but like Where you're okay with it? Where, where I'm like, I guess like this is what I'll have to take because you have no other choice, right? Fair. But... Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it has nothing to do with social politics or anything like that dumb crap. There's a lot of people in the world that have too much hate for that kind of stuff. That yeah. ain't me. All right, so moving over into the community's take section. It was a very simple one. The community's take was, very simply put, what did you think about the PS4, or PS5 rather, uh, game and reveal event for the consoles? Look, uh, so... I'm going to start off with the person who <laughs> reminded me that I didn't put it up Friday when I was supposed to. That was Mr. El Jahudi, one of our patrons. He says, Community's take for this week, I thought the event was very done, was done very well. Uh, it had its ups and downs for me, but the same can be said of everyone else who watched because it catered to all sorts of gamers out there. It had a good breadth of game genres. It also had anticipated sequels, anticipated remake, sequels, and some of the games showed the power of the hardware. They also topped the show with the console reveal. It was great showcase and ups the ante for Xbox's July event to deliver. Given the number of views and buzz this show ended up garnering, it showed that PlayStation took the right decision, leaving E3 altogether. This show had very nice production and showcased uh, how a digital show can deliver the surprises and be done in a very professional way. Kudos. Um, I think, first of all, remarking on that, yeah, this was uh, remarkably, and, and I don't even mean this as a hit, but one thing that PlayStation kept saying that I do think was in contrast to what the competition was worried about, this was markedly more professional than Xbox's games reveal where there was everybody just chilling in their home on like webcams and with kind of iffy audio. I still don't understand why they did that. Why in this day and age could you not do, I mean, you could buy an Elgato green screen for like $140. Why would you not make it look professional and pre-record it? And you know what's even weirder from the Xbox thing? Did you, did you see where they were using like essentially the zoom feature of uh, selective background removal? Yeah, and some of the green screens were really bad. It looks because it wasn't even. It was just there, cutting there was, around. There was one or two. Of them, I guarantee you, they did it because it looked bad. And they were like, "This looks hilarious. I'm yeah. going to use this." Yeah, who knows? Uh, I will it, say but though, again, I don't think there's anything necessarily inherently wrong, but I do think that when you're a company, and, and I do think COVID slacks things off, right? Uh, and since well, that's why I said, just mail them a camera that works, yeah, like a, a good camera, or like, or you don't even have to do. 
Like, what is just stopping you from just putting together footage and then having one person come on at the end? Nobody, like, they did it at the end to show a recollect of everybody who worked, or a lot of people who worked for Sony. But that doesn't need to be in that for this. Like, they could have X that out if they had to, and, and Microsoft clearly didn't worry about anything like that. I think it's... It gets weird because I think where, where Sony did is Sony kept it professional, and I think there's going to be people who like that take from Sony. I think the thing that Microsoft did, which I actually think has its moments that it can be really helpful, is it felt like kind of buddy-buddy and friendly, like, hey, we're, you know, and I think that that ties into their thing this generation, right? We're going to be buddies with the consumers. We're going to give you Games Pass, an exceptional deal that gets you a lot of games for a cheap price. We're going to let you buy your system from us and... uh you know, be able to pay it off and trade it back in if you want to upgrade to the One X. And uh, we're going to try that out. We're going to try an all digital console out. We're going to give reasons as to why you might do that. We're going to let you build your own controllers. We're going to be the buddy to the consumer. So coming through here and carrying that forward into the Series X and doing it to where it's all of your employees uh, that you want to be part of this showcase, essentially being buddy buddy and friendly with the audience, sitting at their house nonchalantly being like, hey, we're just normal people too, and that's why we care so much about you as a normal consumer. This is what we're doing. And I think that to that end, that look kind of works for them. But I think definitely for us, who are so used to PlayStation being excessively professional, and I'll give... Microsoft is also normally very professional during E3. Their their showcases at E3 look really For the good. most part, yeah. There's always a car in there somewhere. Somewhere. But um, they have a big car thing, so we should. S- but, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I land on the professional versus... I don't think that one's inherently better or worse. I, I do think that, for me, I preferred the professional, but I could see why people would like the buddy-buddy friendly version of Microsoft's more lax Well, I mean, one. look at Nintendo, too. Theirs yeah. are very more... Frit- like Theirs are kind of in the in-between. There's our professional, and they're normally somebody they standing on a white black ground, but, but they're fun and yeah. goofy. Yeah. Uh, I will say one thing I don't exactly agree with is, is uh, still the whole PlayStation took the right decision leaving E3. I feel like this could have been at E3. Like this event, this exact same event could have fit in a time slot at E3. I'm still so curious as to why people dislike E3, I guess. Like, I don't get it. It feels to me, it, it feels like gaming Christmas. You have everything, you know, everybody has something ready. And you know for sure you're getting new content for that week. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. I guess. Well, let's back off this way, right? What if we do it to where, like, because you know, technically EA is not part of E3, nor is Activision. They do all their stuff separately. Now, you may see some of their games at in, in Sony's the or whatever. I thought EA was at E3. Uh, but no, EA Play is a completely separate event, but it takes place during, during E3 the week, week. of E3. Yeah. And that's exactly what's hap- what happened here. E3 would have happened around this date. Uh, so if you look at it in the sense of. But we didn't PlayStation know. can leave E3, but let's say this. If PlayStation doesn't go to E3 proper, like right. literally E3, but they show the same style and level of event during E3's week, does that kind of it's the same thing. bring it together for it's you? It's the same thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just not I doing want, it under the E3 banner. Well, what I want is I am not a fan of waiting for announcements and then hoping a leak comes out of when they're going to see it or anything like that. I, E3 guarantees me news about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and it fair. may not have gu- guaranteed me news about the PlayStation 5, but it guarantees me news. Yeah. And I don't like the mysterious I'm going to hide these events and we're not we're just going to pop one up and, and like we'll make an announcement and you'll see it in four days kind of thing like Nintendo does that it's kind of annoying but Nintendo also like would have been at E3 this year so like my thing is is I like E3 because it is it puts everything together and centralizes it into one week slash weekend on where you know for sure you're getting force fed information yeah. that you want to see 
Um, I think Sony just doesn't want to spend the money to actually go. Well, to they don't have to E3. if they do it this way. That's what I'm saying. That's just sending a movie. So uh, maybe uh, this a video is in. maybe this is the in between of what they start doing. As long as it happens during like, as long as they can get all together and make it all happen in some more time frame to make it feel like E3, mm-hmm. because that's just kind of like. It's why you view EA's thing as well, E3, it's, it's, even though it's not. It's funny because people, like people, and Jeff Keighley himself was like, "Ah, oh, that's kind of smart. They're not doing E3." And then Jeff Keighley himself makes his own E3. Like it just felt like an underhanded kind of thing of like, "Yeah, E3 bad." And then I'm going to make my own E3 because I'm going to make money off of it. So that one came more. The Jeff Keighley one's weird. That one came more from him being involved with E3 so strongly. And then the E3 was he involved with E3 strongly? Yes, always. I knew he was involved with E3, but not. To like a, a special high degree of it, of any. Well, kind. he was always a host. <clears throat> excuse me, he was always a host for. Uh, I can't remember what it, what the actual event was called, but it was part of E3, and he'd always be the host. And he was. Well, no, I know for sure the Game him. Awards is his baby. Yes, uh, but apparently his problem with E3 in particular was how they handle data information, how they handle what they do with that data, and then of course their data leak and why it happened and some. Of, I mean, there, that's all. There stuff was some unsavory stuff that made Keeley go. As it stands right now, I do not stand and support E3. And that's why before E3 was canceled due to COVID, he said he wasn't going to be attending E3 this year in any form fashion. See, I never saw that yeah. because the first time he announced it, he just said, I will not be at E3 this year uh, during this time frame. He never explained why. Yeah. And I missed him explaining it, why. It may have been in a response tweet. I hate it when people do that. Retweet it with retweet it. Don't respond to your own tweet because I don't you know. don't always see that. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's most of what you said, El Sabib, is, is very true. And I think yes. the bigger thing to take away from this is that it does it does kind of – they swung big very – you know, with this first real, real event, they swung pretty hard. And that means that the fun part of this is that even though they're not in necessarily direct competition as far as Xbox is concerned, we still don't know if – PlayStation considers Xbox competition. In the Did they say way. that? Where was it? Was it, well, I know Phil Spencer said that they don't consider PlayStation competition. But did yes. PlayStation ever announce that? They no, don't? Play, okay. PlayStation's not clear. Gotcha. Right now, so at least as far as Microsoft's concerned, it doesn't mean they have to amp it up. But I think the fun part of it is, is that if they're actually looking at this as kind of like. Uh, colleagues in the same industry, then it's fun to kind of do showmanship within your. Con- it's like it's friendly competition at that point. Yeah, not you know if that's how they want to view it. So I still think it's. Um, I think it's reasonable for people to expect Xbox to up the ante some with yeah. this next event. So and that is July. So it's not going to be too far from now. Uh, Patreon uh, Swanlin, our good buddy, mm-hmm. he's been in our Discord for quite a while now. He says my community take on the event. Bug snacks, dude. That then song he, is so catchy. <laughs> it is. Then he goes on to say he's he he uh, he says I'd give the PS5 a B plus, and maybe even maybe an A minus. What would have gotten it a solid A or A plus is a release date and price, but I think that's coming when they show the OS and uh, talk about the OS of PS5. And I agree. I that the one thing that it, it, it's my my biggest pet peeve right now in gaming is that you show all this stuff, but with no real release dates for a lot of it. Spider Man got a good, good one, but um. I'm going to stick with the hopes that we're getting the console at, uh, like, November. Yeah. And I think that that's reasonable. Late November to, at worst, early December. Yeah. Seems like the, the, the area. But, of course, regardless of even if you can guess the date, I think the bigger thing is most people can guesstimate the, the, the time period for the date. I think a lot more people are having problems trying to guesstimate what the price is going to be. And we know that because even within our own uh, Discord uh, last night, we had kind of like a friendly debate over where we stood on the pricing of it. Because it's... it's 
there's so much to account for and there's so much to look at from whether people are going to take losses, whether they're going to minimize losses. If Xbox takes loss, then PlayStation will too to match. Or is that even going to be the case? If Xbox doesn't view them as competition, I don't think that'll be the case. There's so many ways that, that you don't know. You just genuinely well, people, don't know. People, people say that, um, that Xbox is waiting on PlayStation to reveal their price. I don't think that's the case. I don't, I do. Because here's the thing: is like they already know that at this point, there's there there the user base for PlayStation is so much higher than anything on Xbox that it just doesn't make sense for them to wait for that because they know that with what they have at launch, they're not going to convert that many people from PlayStation, so it doesn't really affect PlayStation at all. Fair. So it's kind of weird, like like they like, and like they said, they're not a competition. I don't think they care. Like I think they that, may not, but I still think as weird as this is. I don't think you have to be in competition with someone to still think that it's valuable for you to be able to take some of their market share. Now that's true because that because you will all own yeah they'll all be in this gaming market in which they can't just be they have investors that can't see them go beyond certain losses and then if they come out and they say their console is seven hundred then Sony says ours is six hundred and then if you want the digital one four hundred then it's like oh Whatever well well yeah I was like well crap here we go then it's like well Xbox going bankrupt. <laughs> because all their investors pull out. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, another one from one of our patrons over on Discord is uh, Mr. Josh Ayers. He said, I thought it was a solid eight. Not everything is for me, but it's for someone, and it was interesting at the least. I agree. And I think that's fair. That's that's probably my score. Yeah, my, a, mine too, because not everything. And you know what's sad? Most of it. Yeah, the only thing that dropped it down to eight for me was Project Athia. Take that shit out. <laughs> I think the thing that dropped me down to a, to an eight is Project Athia and, and then the NBA. <laughs> I didn't care about that. That was short. And then it, it was spent, short at least. They didn't spend like fair. five minutes on like they did Grand Theft Auto. Project Athia was also short. But it's but just, that showed it's, me I'm something even more I bad don't because... know what it is yet. And yeah. they, don't, they don't either, apparently. That game wouldn't look nothing like that trailer when it comes out. No and I'm square. starting to think about it. Um, I, is, isn't... Okay. Um, Luminous Productions. Okay. I started thinking about it. And originally I thought that, you know, I remember X Square saying they wanted to move pretty much all of their games to Unreal Engine 4. But then I remember that, uh, and I can't think of his name right now. It's killing me that I can't. But the director for 15 and Crisis Core, um, oh. Habita T- Tomato or whatever. Uh, Tabata. Tabata, yeah. Uh, Tomato. Is this a legend? <laughs> yes. Uh, but he mentioned that he was leaving the Final Fantasy team to start the development team. Was that Luminous Productions? I don't know. I mean, if it is, honestly, I see, I see Tabata getting stuff done way way faster than Nomura ever will. Well, that's true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's as good. I mean, that's true, too. But still, I'm talking about time frame here. We don't... The main reason... My main problem with seeing Project Athia was not seeing a release date. Um, on Twitter, uh, Negator7. Oh, he resigned him from them. For hopping oh, all the way from Square Enix? Yeah, he doesn't work for Square Enix at all. Well, I didn't know that. Negator uh, 7, anyway. shout out to one of our Twitter buddies who hopped in. Uh, he said, love the and variety. And patron. We need to make his name the right I, I, I don't know how. I will show you. No, no, I mean, like, it locks us out now, doesn't it? It shouldn't. What level But Patreon? we'll look at it later. Is he? Because that matters the color. I think $5. I'll, f- I'll figure it out. I'll change okay. it later. Love the variety in the event. Probably wouldn't have any interest in some of those indie games if I didn't see it here. Was hoping to see a tease of the next God of War, but that's okay. Disappointed that we didn't get PlayStation All-Stars 2. Boy. As for the console, just like the controller, I'm not a fan of the design. The wide outer shell doesn't look that sturdy to me. Maybe my opinion will change when I get more info on the customization they talked about the other day. I love the console look. Okay. He brings up a point where I really do want to break off of this for just a second. They said they were going to have interesting collector's editions and that they're doing something unique and that there's going to be customization. My 
I have a theory for what PlayStation 5 may be doing. And it's something that Nintendo's not done just a too much of, but it, they do have the possibility of, and they've done a little bit. Um, I have a feeling, if you look at the PlayStation's design, I feel like there's a chance that the, the white outer shell, the two plates, can be removed. And I have a feeling that moving forward, when they do uh, special edition consoles, what's going to happen is it won't be a special edition console so much as you buy a certain version of the game that comes with two plates and you can take the white plates off of each side of your PlayStation and replace them with other designs. I don't know if I like that. That just makes me think of the faceplate from Xbox. Well, see, the faceplate's a good idea, but it was too limited. If you're doing it to the whole side, the, the entire system is going to look different outside of that black center core. Now, it doesn't mean that this is what's going to happen. This is just a theory that I think is kind of interesting because what are you going to do that is unique for collector's editions. Unless Start etching stuff into the console like they should have been all along. But, but that now they've done that with PS4, and, and Xbox has been doing that. So do they mean just on a Sony level, or do they mean on a gaming well, I mean, level as a whole? If that, 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 thought of process, that process of thought, though, is kind of weird because Xbox did faceplate changeouts years ago, and yeah. this is essentially just sideplate changeouts. Sure, but I think it changes the whole system in a very different way than the faceplate did. The faceplate literally changes only the front. I think if you're going to change both, and considering that this thing has that black bar in the front that kind of acts as the center mass of the console, I think that by changing the outer shells right there, you're changing a, you're essentially changing 100 percent of the of the design look of what the console is, and even to the point where, depending on how they do it, you might even be able to change the shape with these plates instead of having a curved top, have it flat. Whatever it be, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of options. I could see that. I could see for sure easy plate removal just because that's how you're going to be able to change out the SSD. Mm, because probably. remember, they said you could add yeah. your own SSD. And then I think about this too because that's what Switch is kind of doing. If it's a game that they don't think deserves a full-on console, like just they do did the Joy-Cons with, they just do Joy-Cons yeah. that are special. And it's a good in-between. And I think that maybe that's what you'll see with PlayStation. You'll see both. I think for the biggest games, you'll probably still see an actual console that you buy that comes with a game that's already made that way. But for some games that people may want, they go, hey, if you want it, then you can spend, uh, you can buy a $100 version of the game. So it's $40 more, but you comes, it comes with both of these side plates if you just really want to do that without having to buy a whole new console. The only issue I see with that, though, is, is that unless they get every single one of those side plates done at the same exact factory, they're going to be different. What do you from mean? each other. So, like, the Xbox 360 had this weird problem where if you got the collector's edition phase play for uh, Gears of War, for for example, it's going to be either higher quality or lower quality the one than you already have one from Walmart because oh, of the yeah. way where it gets printed at. And that there were some of them that looked bad. So, I think the problem with there is that the Xbox 360 faceplate thing had third-party options. If Sony chooses to do this, I, I don't would think say it did. It did. It did? Yeah. I never, I never saw them around here. Yeah, at least. they had third-party options you could buy. Uh, so when you think of it that way, I think if Sony makes sure that they control the production of all of it and no one, they don't license it out to anybody else, uh, then they can keep the quality up because yeah, it would yeah. come out of the same, you know, the same. Uh, the only reason I don't think they'll do that is because but I feel like they'll have the, they'll have the responsibility at that point to actually do something cool with some of their stuff, and they just don't want to do that anyways. Because if that's the case, we would have seen them do custom controllers and stuff by now. They still don't do that. Well, I don't know. I could see that be a generational, something you want to do with generational jump. It doesn't mean you have to. Clearly, Xbox introduced that midway through the gen, uh, which is cool. I but guess so. 
I also think that big sweeping changes like that are something that's more easily talked about when you're already like, hey, we're changing our whole console. We're changing the way the UI works. We're changing the design of the console. The we're controller. changing the controller. And I also have the feeling that the plate, the controller, as much as I've said, I think the controller may have plates that you could take off and move because it looks like the front, how everything's separated and off. I think that you'd be able to take the controller and to completely remove just the left weird. side and the right side. Doesn't mean they will. It's weird how though it, we revert back to stuff from like the the late nineties and early two thousands of, of swapping faceplates on our electronics out because I, I I hate that. I don't hate it as long as it's done in a way that feels. If it was 100%. a module though, like if I could pop out the entire front half of the front of the controller and change it with another color, how was that different? Because that's the thing. Like I, first of all, faceplates. I, mean, I guess you'd be able to switch things around at that point. Yeah, well, yeah, because this, because inevitably faceplates are cheap. So if I drop my controller, it's probably going to end up breaking the faceplate. But it somewhere. doesn't have to be cheap. You know, it, just like who's the, paying fifty dollars for a faceplate when a controller costs seventy? I don't mean fifty dollars. Plastic doesn't cost that much, homie. I don't want plastic. It, I want them to be. I want the. Well, I do, but it needs to be hard, thick. Yeah, high quality. That's still not that much, dude. The plastic price is not the price that makes the controller so expensive. It's the electronics. Well, no, the no, LEDs, no, no and the stuff, dummy. <laughs> yeah. So I just think, look, it's it's like this. If you could spend fifteen dollars on a set of faceplates, twenty maybe on a, a set of just face call plates, it thirty because we know it's going to be twenty. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> 30 whatever you want it to be 60 let's say between 20 and 30 this seems reasonable 100. between 20 and 30 dollars that you can completely change the way your controller looks that's not crazy it depends if, if it's if it's only done by sony first party and it doesn't feel like we're glossy plastic Again, or anything same thing, like that yes. then maybe the only thing i have an issue with is how advanced these controllers are supposed to be what is going to be a potential problem with the faceplate if i take it off am i going to see the insides it can it get dirtier by doing it this way yeah is it actually easier to clean this way because that's a plus yeah uh, for sure but yeah i'm not too sure uh blaze 2102 on discord said I loved it. I was needing to see the actual system. I'm not, and it's not my favorite color, but got me hooked. Just wish they would have gotten a concrete pricing announcement as well. I agree. People want that pricing. I, think and I, I didn't expect it. I kept saying it was going to be one of the three. You're either going to see the console, you're going to see the release date, or you're going to see the price. One of the three. And the most obvious one seemed to be the console. And that's yeah. what it was. Um, over on Twitter, though, to pull a couple from there, uh, Mr. Jack Croxall says, Great. I thought Ratchet and Clank truly showed off next-gen tech. Resident Evil 8 looks super creepy. Just wasn't a huge fan of the PS5 design. Not that it really matters. Um, and that's fair. Like I said from the get-go during my, uh, my stream of it, I, part of why I'm such a huge fan of the PS5 design I'd even be a fan of it if I personally didn't like it I like it because it, it makes a statement and I, to me that that's more important to make a statement I'd rather hate it but it look unique and interesting than, and, than look at it and say oh it's just a box that's meant to blend in and again not a shaft on Xbox just for my own personal preference I think that I think going more bold, even if you fail at going more bold, I'm like, at least you tried, damn it. You know? Well, you have, well I guess I guess you could say we have the two consoles now, the bold and the brash. Yeah. <laughs> and one belongs in the trash. Uh, on Twitter, Irish Joe says, I loved it. They showed a game for almost everyone. You don't have to like all of them, but there's a chance that there was at least one game for you. For me, Spider Man, Ratchet and Clank, and Horizon, as long as a few smaller games look so good. Must buy games? I love the look of the PS5 as well. To be honest, I didn't want just a box. Even though it's just going to sit there, I would still like it to look cool to me, and that looks awesome. Better than what I thought it would look like, and if I had to give it a grade, it'd be a 9.5 out of 10. It wasn't blow your mind amazing, but it was great. Look at you go. 
right, let's see. Let's pull one over here from Richard Schaefer. He says, I thought it was solid, except for the Bucks next. There were not a lot of dates given, which has me wondering about the actual launch lineup. Also, was really happy to see the console fire, as he puts beside it, since I was only expecting games. 7 out of 10 for me. That's pretty good. Coincidentally, in a very similar vein, Chris Figgs, uh, one, of boy. Your, one of your boys. Yeah. Uh, I want him to be Go my, check out our movie podcast, Midweek I want him to be my boy, too. Um. <laughs> uh, we're probably going to start playing Destiny, just so we can get that platinum, and then never play it again. I'm kidding. Well, if you, <laughs> I, I make you I just want it. you to know, if uh, if you got to hop on Destiny 2 to get to the platinum, you got to hop on Destiny 1 to get the platinum. If you're going to be doing a flawless raid, you might as well do two of them. No, one's flawless and one's just beating it on hard. I'm going to tell you right now, you might as well be flawless during that because it's annoying. Uh, he says, it was good. Wish there was a couple heavy hitters with dates or at least release windows. Yeah. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. I feel like a lot of these games are actually going to end up, not a lot. I feel like at least a, a handful of them are going to be released launch, like launch date or launch window games, but they just didn't want to put dates on anything. Yeah, and I, and I think that honestly, it kind of goes into this whole thing of like, Good for them because I'm not going to have to get my hopes up and wait five years for some of these games that they're showing. Oh, excuse me. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like you got to have something to show. Yeah. No, I mean, that's true. And that gets weird because it's like you don't want to see things too early. But I, that's why I feel like it was interesting that they were kind of like splicing in PlayStation games with indie games. Because it's like the indie games are far more likely to be there at launch. Yeah. And that seems reasonable because they're a little quicker to get out. They're a little smaller in ambition and size. And apparently it's supposed to be quicker to develop on PlayStation 5 than it was for even PS4, which was already pretty easy to develop for. I feel like that's an easy thing to say, though. Uh, I think the SSD actually is a big part of that. For being honest, I think the problem is that for a lot of junior developers, people who are just kind of starting, I think it's harder for them to wrap around trying to optimize for a hard drive. And if you don't have to worry about optimizing, because at worst, definitely on the PS5, you can just load your world in as you change the camera. It makes making a game that's, that's, that much easier. That's pretty much a first-party thing, though. Which well, Yeah, but if you're making, if these are going to be exclusive indies, which there absolutely will be, yeah. then you can tap into that. And that's all about what may even happen is that there might be indie developers that are actually incentivized to make games on the PlayStation 5 because the, the, the barrier of entry to make the game is so much simpler. Yeah. But it may not be. Well, that time will, that'll be a time will tell thing. You know what I mean? I think this gen, it was just which company was going to give you more benefit. Were they going to promote your game for you uh, where, so that you didn't have to do it? It was kind of like an added bonus. It was like, oh, when the game comes out, we'll give you the storefront page or whatever, and we'll show you at different events. And... That kind of stuff played more than anything, I think, early on. Um, and if they let you release elsewhere. Because I remember Xbox shot themselves in the foot with their 360 Marketplace setup. Because the problem with the 360 Marketplace was that your game could not be over 512 megabytes. And even so, inadvertently, uh, Oddworld uh, Stranger's Wrath ended up being an exclusive to PlayStation, despite originally being an exclusive to the original Xbox, because they couldn't release the game on the Xbox system, because it was considered a full game, even though they wanted to price it as a... It it was weird. Very interesting time periods. Uh, Anyway... Let me see. I'm going to go grab at least one off of Facebook, and then we'll go ahead and move on. Uh, let's see. Mr. Michael Potter Snyder says, I'm all about that Demon Souls remaster. Uh, as you I should agree. know, it is a remake, uh, but I think that's close enough. <laughs> it looks really good. Uh, and Bluepoint built a new engine for this, so that's really cool. It looks fantastic. Looks so good. We didn't talk about much last week. As you've seen more and more comparison, excuse me, as you've had more time to look at the comparison shots, 
a, a lot of artistic choices were made because the PS3 couldn't handle much foliage yeah. and detail. And there's definitely foliage in this now. There's, so not only is there a ton of foliage, like moss on the walls and stuff like that. Walls are, you know, one of the Demon Soul. One of the only problems I really had with Demon Souls visually, and I still think it pulled it off really well, was that most of the game was flat walls because it was all yeah. they could really push. So here they're doing a lot to make walls have depth and have more design choices. And that means that like when you get to Tower Knight, the, the castle behind him isn't just a bunch of flat castle walls like you'd expect to see from like Minecraft. Instead, these are like pretty detailed. Yeah. But that does make a, a pretty marked artistic change to the game. But I don't feel like it completely pulls away from what the game was trying to do either. To be fair, though, I think on in Tower Knight specifically, you can't go upstairs around the edge of it or whatever. Yeah, you always could on both yeah. of them. But th- when you look at this one, there's like towers that are beside it yeah. and like ornate things. It, it, it's walls. not just an image that's just chilling there. Yeah. Um, I'm actually not trying to look at the screenshots because Demon Souls is the one I remember the least amount of. Ah, so just and go it, in with as fresh eyes as you can. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be me going in, not fresh, new, new, because I'm, I'm still going to hate like seeing Tower Latria. And what is the poisonous swamp in that game called? Do you remember? Nope. It sucks. It's the game. You gotta think. I've only played every Demon Souls game, or Dark every Souls, Souls game. game rather, uh, even Soulsborne. I've I've only played all of them once. Demons. I mean, Bloodborne is probably the closest I could say to. Technically, I did restart it and help some people with, but I never beat it again. So, trying to remember names from places is pretty hard. <laughs> there's a um, there's it, it's 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 called something like the Burrows or the Pit or something where it's like it's it's a sw- it's pretty much just a poisonous lake and there's just wood and stuff out there. Uh, because, of course, uh, every Dark Souls game has to have a poison swamp. You remember one thing about Demon Souls that was actually really cool that Dark Souls did not carry forward? Is the Havoc's engine system, uh, the Havoc physics engine? Valley of Defilement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but do you remember, like, you could hit stuff and there was ragdoll body physics and stuff in Demon Souls that was not in Dark Souls at all? It's kind of in Dark <laughs> Souls, but it's only the dead bodies in Dark yeah. Souls 1. Because, like, Dark Souls 1 still suffers from the thing that Bloodborne did where, like, you could walk on top of a body and just spin around. It'll just body on the body on the ground just spin around in circles <laughs> yeah uh either way it is it's really cool i wonder how much of that they'll bring back in because it's not like it was important to the game but it's gonna be cool if there's a lot of physics engine stuff set up in this game just to kind of call back to the old one uh one last one donovan williams says i feel like they did an excellent job it was exactly what i wanted to see a lot of games to look forward to thank you donovan for your input as well as everybody else, if you'd like to be part of the community's take, remember that we post it on social media, so follow us over on Facebook. It's a group, Triangle Square to Places Podcast. Or you can go over to Twitter, which is at Triangle SQRD. Or you can hop into our uh, Discord, which is always linked down in the description of either the video on YouTube or on podcast services. Uh, you can click through and find that link and join in. But it's time to move over on to the news. So, um... It's been a while since I had to get up and go pee on the podcast, so I gotta go and pee on the podcast. I'm proud of you. At least you've at least you've severely dropped in your number. I uh, well, no, I was like I was in such a rush to get over here that I forgot to go get pe- that I forgot I needed to go put gas in the truck, uh-huh. and then so I left without peeing first. So now I gotta go pee. I feel. I I want to start off with the interesting game of the week, which we did not have last week since we kind of did a different episode, kind of just busted in with all the PlayStation Five news. Uh, this one is Indie Clips. Uh, it's a game following three aspiring indie developers that pokes fun at the challenges that developers have to go through while having references and gameplay that parodies other popular indie titles, uh, such as Enter the Gungeon. There's some uh, top-down little bullet hell uh, sections. Uh, it has some rhythm game sections where you're coding a game, but you're doing it with rhythm and having to hit a button at the right time to insert a 
little section of the line of code uh geometry dash uh are you know you know the impossible games kind of like that uh where you're doing some rolling over so it's it's kind of a parody game uh but it's really funny and it's got a lot of jokes about games and stuff in general and uh how games and definitely indie titles will tend to use copyright in interesting ways by slightly changing people's names excuse me to make the obvious connection without having to worry about copyright stuff. So looks really cool. Uh, as an interesting, small, cheap game, go check it out if you're interested in it at all. Uh, you can at least watch uh, a couple of gameplay bits and whatnot and kind of see what you're into. But the first thing up uh, while we wait for Saul is going to be uh, that info from an insider, so I'm going to hesitate right now to say that it's confirmed, uh, says that Resident Evil 8's PS4 and Xbox One version has been cancelled in favor of releasing exclusively on next-gen hardware like PS5 and Series X, part of why we saw the reveal during the PS5 uh, event. So, this is apparently due to the game's ambitious scope that the last-gen hardware could not handle without multiple load windows, which if you look at Resident Evil 2 and 3 and even Resident Evil 7, it makes sense that they want to cut down on that as much to make a kind of a seamless world. But with 8 going so much bigger and going to this village and having you go through pretty large land sections, much like Resident Evil 4, I think it makes sense to want to drop the last-gen consoles so that you can focus on making that and not have to worry about optimizing for two different sets. Uh, so that's reasonable. You'd probably have to program the game completely different to make sure the load zones stayed in one version of the game while they weren't in another. Uh, but they also wanted to be able to push the graphical envelope that they were having issues with on current-gen machines, so certain machines they couldn't get to run well. Which makes me wonder, uh, one of the things that Saul and I both mentioned is that the definitely going back and watching it, the Resident Evil 8 footage looked really janky. Like It looked creepy and it looked cool, but it looked odd in a lot of spots like and i wonder running running low on frame rate or something and i wonder if that was what we were seeing were remnants really of ps4 footage that had not been optimized for ps5 yet so what i'm talking about is that Resident yeah, Evil 8 I, apparently I, yeah. uh i'm pretty sure that's why i did I'm, yeah. I, yeah because of how how poorly it was kind of running and just the trailer like i'm surprised because we even pulled it up on youtube to double check the, the the standalone trailer, not the actual conference, but the standalone trailer, and it was running pretty badly in some parts. Shout out to them for putting real gameplay in, though. I guess because they could have easily just CGI'd this yeah. all and had it running perfect frame rate. But uh, still, I want to see that game running well. So I think this is a reasonable push. Uh, so next thing up uh, as an extra free title for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, publisher WB Interactive Entertainment is giving users the first Injustice Gods Among Us a way for players to download free of charge until June 25th. Uh, in case you're worrying, uh, thinking about which versions or you know what you want to do, remember the PS4 version of the game is the Ultimate Edition that was exclusive to PS4, while the Xbox One version is actually just the 360 version that was later made backwards compatible with Xbox One. Uh, still cool, they're giving it away for free, so no room to complain, but... Uh, yeah, I'd actually forgot about that until I was looking at this. I was like, wait a minute, the Ultimate Edition didn't even come on Xbox One, which is not surprising. Xbox One was not considered a fighting games console, or the 360, rather. Well, Xbox was that's not something we'll always synonymous. agree on. <laughs> well, I, and I mean that as somebody who's not a huge fighting game fan. I remember when I worked at GameStop and knowing a lot of people who are super into fighting games, they always said that they did not like the Xbox 360 specifically. So again, when you're going into the generation for the Xbox One, it makes sense that a game that is really big about fighting that's also just a remaster of an existing game is not necessarily going to be worried about going on Xbox. When it, it seemed like across the board, a lot of people prefer 
PlayStation as between those two for a fighting game console. It, Though PC is also very popular. Yeah, and it could be that it just happened to be the circle that I was in, but like like with Burl and DZ and everybody at the TC game room that mm-hmm. played, they played on Xbox, but they didn't use controllers. They actually went and got Xbox game pads. The little joysticks and yeah, stuff that you can get. So yeah, so they actually use actual fight sticks. So that might be why. It yeah. might be that the main person who played only played on Xbox, and then they just decided all to get Xboxes, but I doubt it because some of them people could not afford all that. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I know that because of a, a couple of times I bought a... Uh, there's a guy up there that... that um, that would play that he's not a bad guy. I buy him breakfast at TC sometimes because he couldn't afford it. And, but he had an Xbox 360. So it's just like <laughs> priorities. Games are a priority, man. Uh, next thing up, uh, CD Projekt Red have confirmed that yet again, Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed. The delay is a rather modest one in comparison to the last one that we saw, uh, just pushing the game back from September 17th to November 19th. So two month delay, not near as bad. One thing to note is that November 19th is a Thursday. And I've just—it's one of those things where you tend not to see AAA games release on Thursday. You do see some weird, like Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I wonder releases. if it's weird because of, they're in Poland, right? And I wonder if it's because, like, technically their Thursday would be midnight here on on. I don't know, and I guess maybe if that was regions uh, selected. Let's see, because September seventeenth was also a Thursday. I wonder if that's the case then, because like Last of Us launched on a Friday, so I wonder if their Thursday for this specifically is like midnight here Friday, and the the or midnight here Thursday that's really Friday morning. Who knows? That's interesting because that is really weird to have like that game. Uh, um, <clears throat> dang, I just now realized something. I was really excited to play this during because I was going to take a vacation during for <laughs> Destiny Two, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to play Cyberpunk then too." Yeah, I, obviously, I'm not. Won't happen now. Wait, well, that doesn't matter anyways because that would be we get a five day or four day. Was it Thursday, oh, for Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. So w- w- it'd be the week after. So yeah, that's still not a bad release window for us. Yeah, not bad. Uh, so to note, as for anybody who's w- wondering why, they say that this is uh, apparently due to them wanting to further polish and balance what's in the game. They say that currently everything, every bit of content that they've developed is in the game and playable but it needs more time to be balanced and optimized. And I think that's reasonable. The only uh, thing with this, though, mm-hmm. is, is that I would definitely be getting this on PS5 now. I won't be, or I'll be getting it so, with PS5 in mind. So another actual thing that came from this, one of the upsides is that clearly pushing it back into mid to late November pushes it very close to our expected release date for both next-gen consoles. And with this, we already knew that Cyberpunk on Xbox was going to uh, have Series X enhancements. Be, be, be backwards compatible and have Series X uh, Essentially, you'd be downloading the Series X enhancements for free of charge. Uh, they have confirmed that the same thing is true of PlayStation. The game will be backwards compatible for PS4. Uh, the PS4 version will, will play on PS5, no issues, and that at a later date, so it sounds like it's probably true of both of them, at a later date, the next-gen versions will be freely added for people. Yeah. So I wonder if this game's going to run at 60 frames or not. I really hope on it next does. On next-gen? Yeah. I can't say. I, I don't know. Because... It depends. It, it, there, I don't know. I don't know if this game can run on 4K on next-gen consoles. That's another thing. I think that that's probably possible. It, it depends, um, man. Cause but I, I expect 4K 30, and part of the reason I even say that is that this is still going to be a game that's really developed for current gen that's then being optimized I, for next. I, I actually kind of disagree with that because CD Projekt Red typically develops games with PCs in mind. They don't yeah. develop these games. They Like, Witcher 3 did not get developed with consoles in mind at all. Yeah, I know. That was more of PC, and I don't know how well that'll fare because Witcher 3 blew up. And I don't think they anticipated that quite as much as they did. Yeah. So they might have that now, but I know their their track history is pretty much they're going to be out for PCs in mind, and everything else is just going to become a, like another kind of like second nature thing for them. 
to an extent. It's not okay. It's like this. Of course, the Switch wasn't even out back then, but even if the Switch was out, I don't think that they would have developed the Witcher 3 with Switch in mind. No. But they clearly knew that they wanted to release on P- PS4 and Xbox One. So regardless, the Witcher 3 had to be developed, making sure that they didn't do something that was too crazy, that was going to be impossible or just way too much work and slower and further slow development for the console versions to come out. Well, it's crazy. But regardless, it- I mean, we'll definitely see. I think th- that'll be a big thing is... It will also see if the game is more stable on PS5, despite not being enhanced, but just running the PS4 version on PS5. Uh, if it's going to be more stable than it is on actual PS4 or PS4 Pro or not, that'll be a big deal. Because much like The Last of Us 2, where people are like, this game is going to be... Uh, how is this game going to run on base model PS4s? That same question needs to be asked here. How does this game run on base model PS4s? I'm going to assume not great. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Because it's also aiming to run on base model Xbox Ones, which are weaker than PlayStation 4. Well, PlayStation 4 Pros. Well, no, no, it is weaker than... Yeah, the original launch model Xbox One was weaker than the It's weaker in most aspects, but stronger in some others, isn't it? More or less, but realistically across the board, it's it's a a generally weaker system. And and games have a harder time hitting resolution and frame rate. And was it the the Xbox S was, was... a little bit stronger than the PS4 normal. I one? think so. Yeah, because they did. They, I, think, I think all it was was clock speeds were higher. Maybe. Yeah. So either way, interesting. We'll see how this game ends up running. Oh no, it was a different size die on the CPU. Is what it was. That's right. That's what it was. Went on to the a Xbox, on the, sixteen, I think. On yeah, the one S. It was a sixteen nanometer. Yeah. Uh, either way, oh, I forgot. I forgot. There's a microphone sticker on here. I grabbed it. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> that was a bug or something. Uh, I think most people are probably going to do the thing where they wait to play the game on next gen as long as next gen is, is like within a week or two. I just don't know how they're going to carry over cross saves or cloud saves, I should say. So, like, I don't know if I play on PS4 if my save will be available on PS5. And I, I would not, imagine. Not knowing and not knowing how well it'll work, I'm not taking the risk. I'm just going to wait like. That's fair. A couple days. But I, I think that with what's going on with PSN right now and what's going forward with this and backwards compatibility being in mind from the launch, uh, I can't see any reason why your saves wouldn't go forward. But you're right. Right now, we just don't know. It, we can fairly, we could be fairly con- positive that it's going to be there. Yeah, but we, we don't know how it's going to work, if it's going yeah. to be stable. Yeah, all, all you, things to think about. I would count on it doing it, but you never know at this point. Yeah, sure. Uh, next thing up, uh, despite fighting months of leaks, spoilers, and severe online backlash that we've already talked about uh, from a certain subset of fans, definitely the severe backlash, The Last of Us 2 has broken a few sales records already in the UK, going on to become the fastest-selling exclusive title this generation for PlayStation when speaking of physical media in a time where digital downloads are increasingly more common. That is actually pretty surprising. Uh, so it narrowly pushed out Naughty Dog's Uncharted 4 by 1%. Uh, this doesn't account for digital sales at all yet, but with it breaking a record physically, I would not be surprised to see it also break records digitally. And I will say... Aside from all the drama, I, I always expected this. Yeah, I always expected this to be a game that, and it, it's kind of like Anthem, right? Anthem gets crapped on left and right, but it sold. But it sold crazy well. Yeah, see, and that's that's kind of a thing too that like I've come to realize is like just because a game sells well doesn't necessarily it's good. No, I wonder how yes, many sales absolutely. my name my name is Mayo has. Right, <laughs> probably probably more than you'd imagine. Yeah, they probably went on the fund. Whatever their next game is. If they ever even make a next game. Dude, I want to just living can, in like Costa Rica. Can we make like a trophy game for like three dollars and then like make it like a really easy one and then people just buy it? If for we $3? had a lot of money. I guarantee it didn't cost that much money to make that game. I don't know. 
That little, like, it was like <laughs> clip art, essentially, that's in the game. And it's a mayo jar, which is also a little kind of like clip art. Yeah. Uh, either way, I think that this is going to be interesting. And I've thought from day one that one of the things that will be really crazy as a just, – this is part of like where we are in our thing. Uh, there was a ton of online hate and discourse toward uh, Astral Chain. And as we know now, that's pretty much been forgotten. Everybody just remembers Astral Chain if you played it as a – Good game and a cool new IP. I think so. I, for this one, while being more severe, I am curious to see the future of The Last of Us Two. If this will be a game that within the next three to four weeks, if this moves past the gaming hate mobs like ire, and I don't mean that there won't still be people that are like, I I wish it was better. I do mean like the most hardcore people that are causing the online drama. Well, well right it's now. crazy. I wonder how quickly that moves away. Wasn't the only reason uh, reason that Astral Chain got the hate it did was because it was an exclusive? Yes, it was because it was not coming to PS4. It's crazy because that's not the same reason Last of Us 2 is getting hate. No, not at all. And you would think with this game being a Naughty Dog game, that's AAA, that would be the reasoning. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I guess the thing for a, a lot of people is that getting exclusives from Platinum Games, uh, they're like, but well, you're a third-party developer. There are so many third-party developers out there yeah. who act in a second-party manner to make exclusives. When you think about it, though, like we got we got near on PS4 yep. exclusive in a way. For, and for a little they while. They got yeah. National Chain. Yeah. I hope Astral Chain comes. People thought people PS4 wanted Astral though. Chain to do what, but it's not. Nintendo published Astral I know, Chain. It'd be cool though. Yeah, it would be. But either way, I just I, I'm curious to see game. how this affects the memory of The Last of Us Two. Will it always be remembered for this, or is this something that will kind of move out of that eye? I think it depends too, because I sooner think, rather than later, because clearly it did affect sales. Yeah, well, I mean, and I think too that there's there is a vocal minority like me. Like Brennan, who just genuinely don't like the story for what it is, um, and I think that's and fine. It's it, it's the it's it, it's not the toxic people, but like yeah. that's the thing is, I wonder if it will stay. Like I vastly dis- disagree with what Brendan sent you. Yeah. Brennan sent you. No, call Brennan. Uh, I, uh, I vastly disagree with it, but I don't I don't hate him for it, and I don't even think he's. Necess- I I just I vastly disagree, but I don't think he's. The, I don't. From what I've seen and heard from him, I don't think he's part of the problem mob. He's just no. he's just part of the group of people that no. aren't happy with where the game's I, to- I told you that there was that night that Joe was like starting to tell him about things. He threw his headset off because he didn't want to hear spoilers. He's, he went into this not knowing anything. Yeah. Um, I, I do find it funny, though. For the longest time, his, his profile picture on PlayStation has been Ellie. And then when the game came out, he changed it to what I'm going to assume is like a special Ellie gamer or a profile picture that came with like maybe a collector's edition or something. Yeah, it came with and avatars. I'm, I'm curious if he ever changed it because I'll just I don't know why that'd be hilarious to me. Uh, changes it to like Spyro or something. Yeah. All right. So next up, speaking of Spyro, it's it's something at least related to it. After months of speculation, it appears that Crash Bandicoot is finally getting an all new original game. If ratings from Taiwan are anything to go by, uh, Crash Bandicoot Four: It's About Time was rated in Taiwan That's after Activision. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, definitely considering that the last game was all involving time. Yeah. So, um, the last, if we're calling this Crash Bandicoot 4, this is clearly three. trying to be a sequel of 3. Yeah. Uh, so with that, uh, this came right after Activision started sending out 200-piece puzzles to press that depicted the new mask that was originally spotted actually by eagle-eyed people back in the PS4 commercial from November where it was like the live in your world, play in ours, where it was like the games breaking into our worlds. I haven't uh, heard that phrase in a long time either. Isn't that a, isn't that a motto? I mean, that was that's PlayStation's motto has been that plenty of times. It's been an off and on one that they. I haven't into. heard them use that since PS3, right? I'm pretty sure that was what that one was. Live in your world, play in ours. I'm not even percent sure that might be PS2 era. That's an old. That's... Oh, it was definitely in PS3. 
Um, and that may not have been what this most recent PS4 commercials tag was, but it definitely, um, I think you're right. I think it did go all the way back to PS2. That's a old, that's like a EA. It's in the game. It's in the game. Like, EA that's Sports. How you, yeah, EA Sports. It's in the game. That's it's something that I will never. That's forget. nostalgia, right there. I will never I, forget. I don't it. think they do that in the new games. They I, don't. I played Madden 2020, and I don't remember that being. They in. don't at all, and I wish they did, just because it's something that's like. Oh. Boy, Madden 2020 was a pile of hot garbage too. Was it? Yes. So I can't remember. Apparently, it wasn't living your role playing ours, but regardless, that commercial where they had the situation going on, there was a part where they showed Crash Team Racing, and someone was like, "Wait a minute, what's that mask? That's never been a mask in, in, a, in a Crash game." And I remember I looked, I was like, "Oh yeah." And then as soon as that, somebody put that puzzle together, it's that exact mask from that commercial. So they've been looking to tease this for a while, and it makes sense that they're looking to tease it through PlayStation stuff because it is, despite being a multi-platform series, it is very strongly rooted in PlayStation history. Yeah. So it's not surprising that they do a lot of uh, marketing through PlayStation. But uh, with that, uh, one of the other things that's pretty interesting here is the rating comes with cover art that shows the developer to be the Spyro Reignited Trilogy developer, who is Toys for Bob. They used to be the yes, uh, the Spyro uh, Skylanders. There it goes. Uh, developer. And I find that weird because Vicarious Visions won over a ton of trust from the Crash community uh, with the remakes. But to the credit of Activision doing this, Beanox were the people behind the Crash Team Racing remake, and everybody loved that as well. So... To me, this is cool for one reason. I think that there are so many developers at both Activision and EA who never get to do anything outside. Or they were doing something original, but as Activision and EA kept growing with ridiculous yearly franchises, yeah. it just started being, well, your last game sold well, but it didn't sell as well as Call of Duty. So we're going to make you a Call of Duty support team. And then EA is like, ah, we're going to make you a Battlefield support team. And we're going to make you this support team. Yeah. It gets annoying to see talented developer groups maybe misstep a little bit or even make a great game that just doesn't sell the gangbusters that Call of Duty or something would and then be told, ah, you're just going to be a support studio. There's so many good developers that have made games that I've really enjoyed that have been relegated this gen to not releasing anything. Well, I mean, when you think about it, it happened with Respawn. Of course they, they had launched Titanfall 2 right around, I think, Battlefield 5 or whatever. Actually, Respawn is a weird one. But then they made Apex, but then they haven't done anything else but Apex. Star Wars. I guess so, yeah. But and at least it's something. Yeah, it's something. And I think that that one was weird, too, because they weren't owned, and then they were owned, but then they were doing a very weird game, but then Star Wars. I think I think Respawn has been lucky, and that's probably a lot just because of who who is the head of it, because yeah. he has big... He, he, he's almost like the Kojima of shooter games. When people hear it, it's like, oh, man. Yeah. And I, I don't even know why I'm skipping on his name right now. I know it. I don't either. Um, it's not Doug something, is it? No, it's going to kill me. That I can't think of. Um, Speaking of Apex and Respawn, though, EA Stream ha- Zimpella. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, EA Stream happened this week and brought it with the news of new Apex Legends content with crossplay coming to the game. One of the big, biggest announcements that they definitely made here. Um, not only that, but we did see Haze Light uh, Studios, which of course made uh, a way out. That great cool, game, cool co-op you, game that I've never played. You need to, um, but you almost have to play it with someone else. Yeah, you, you, you do have to play what, it with somebody. Else. And they they they're making a brand new EA original called It Takes Two, which to make almost, a thing go right. Yeah, uh, which no, it's just called It Takes Two. <laughs> yeah, I'm just fed up with you right now. And uh, <laughs> uh, another colorful style co-op game in which we, you could definitely see two. Uh, 
two dolls representing a young girl's parents that is set to release in 2021 alongside an EA original. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm only laughing. Because you threw me also back because I hate you so much for that super pun you made. I'm also laughing because it's weird hearing Saul read my writing. <laughs> yeah, because you know what you're going to say in your head. So when I'm writing it, I'm thinking about the way it's going to be said. Uh, please continue. I'm having a blast hearing this. Uh, this game's called Lost, uh, Lost and Random. Where you play as a little girl lost in a strange world with a sentient six-sided die tagging along as a partner, which actually sounds kind of cool. Sounds like a D20 adventure. Did, did you actually see the, the screenshots and stuff? No. Nah. It looks really good. Uh, and, of course, the last game that they did show at this uh, event was Rocket Arena, which is another colorful multiplayer shooter that looks like it's inspired by Overwatch. So if you're a big old fan of team shooters, uh, you so, can look forward to this game coming July 14th. That was the last EA original, which oh, is like shorter. Yeah, games. and then, they, uh, of course, we we did get to see e, uh, Star Wars Squadrons, their new yeah. space dogfighting game, which actually looks pretty cool. I think, you know, what's funny, whenever it got leaked last week uh, and people were kind of talking about it, it's one of those things where it's like, as soon as you see the name Star Wars Squadrons, it's like, how can it be anything but a dogfighting game? One of my first uh, PS2 games was Star Wars Rogue Starfighter. Yeah. Or Jedi Starfighter was one of those two, and it was really good. Um, but that game, definitely set in the Star Wars universe, being made by EA Motive. And, of course, at the end of the show, they did get to show off the usual yearly games like FIFA, Madden 21. And uh, they did close off with a very important announcement that we've all been waiting for. That but also are, one that I think is really bad and a misstep, and I'm, I know that that's... I'm, I'm about to be controversial here. You are. But they're making a new skate game. But they didn't show anything about it. This no, is, put it this, back on the statue. This is essentially... It's my statue, Bo. Um, look, this is the same problem I have with Project Athia. You are showing me something that you don't actually know what it well, is. Well, no, you're just telling me something. Yeah, you're not even point. showing me. Actually, Project Athia did a little bit more. Though the difference here is that Project Athia is a new IP. At least Skate is an established IP that has a... You at least kind of know where to start. Project Athia, that could be a game that they thought they had it, and then as they keep developing it, it does the anthem thing. of like Or become oh. a board game or something. Like it could just <laughs> with, with Square Enix, you never know. So, yeah, but when you look at it that way, I, I am so excited, excited that they are willing to at least say that Skate is existing again. But I think the way they chose to do this is... Almost as bad as the Project Athia thing of showing something, and it goes to show it worked. Everybody's hyped. Everybody's like Skate Four, which also they did not say Skate Four. They just said they just a new skate. skate game. So probably a reboot, a, which I think is probably the right or thing. a remaster, like they're doing Tony Hawk. Maybe they sell Tony Hawk, and they're like, oh, people still care about Skate. These people, that, it's, it's possible. These people that play Tony Hawk on the Nintendo sixty four back in two thousand or PlayStation, um, they're now thirty years old, and they're like, they're still playing video games. We're going to make a video game for them. Yeah. They see it, success in that, so they're going to do it themselves. It's totally possible. Now, I do think, if you want my real opinion, I think this is an original skate game. I think it's a new one. I do think it's a reboot. I think it's going to be made in the Frostbite engine. That'd be uh, cool. And I'm trying to figure out who the developer is going to be. Respawn. Apparently, there is intentions. That'd be dope, <laughs> wouldn't it? You could wall run. Yeah. That actually is something get that you do with skateboarding. Yeah. Uh, get off your skateboard and like go explore like you could Tony Hawk Underground. Make it like Tony Hawk Underground, but with skate. Being realism and actual mecha- like mechanics yeah. yes i don't think that that's that's not too far from what the first skate was honestly could you get off, you couldn't get off your board in the first skate could you yeah you could i'm pretty sure if, it, if, if not in the first one you for sure could in the second, second one. yeah so i don't one, think you could do anything even though you so could many, get off your board i don't think you could do anything the second one had the best levels i don't know yeah i think two is probably the best middle ground i like the world of one the best 
uh, it was it was just very whatever it was called. yeah it was just very not basic but it was just it was it was probably the most planted in reality it felt a like skate park. A, a real skateboarding yeah. area which either way I mean skate three was all right when I went back and played skate three did have that crazy level though with the um, trying to remember exactly what it looked like but it looked like it was on a dam or next to a dam and it had the two really long half pipes that went down to the middle of the level and then there was a couple ramps off to the side of the yeah. left and the right yeah that level was really fun. Well, either way, this is I, I'm I'm excited, but I also just think Why that they I, I feel like this was all to just make clamor. I think this is all to make EA look good. That's all it was, and and, and it succeeded in a way. But uh, I really hope that this is not something we still don't see for another three four years. That's kind of where I stand on it. Uh, if you look at Skate One, Skate Two, and Skate Three, they released very close to each other, so we know that they can make these games fairly quickly. But those were also Skate 2 and Skate 3 were also the same engine, more or less, and just iterating on an idea. This new Skate would undoubtedly be a new engine. You're going to have to get some new developers, though there are intentions to get the majority of the old black box developers together. When you look at all those things coming together, I just think they showed it a little too soon. I'm excited. I just think that this could have waited until next year when you had actual gameplay to show us, potentially. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I'll, I'll give them this. In the time of COVID, it's nice to give people a distraction. What is that? So level? maybe that's what they needed. People you, needed that to be hyped. Do you remember what this level's called? That's the level I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what it's called. I do know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. know why I thought that was a dam. That's just not a dam, but okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, either way, that is the EA thing. And for the most part, I think it was okay. I don't think it was just necessarily amazing, but you know, when it, I don't think EA's ever is personally for me. So, I mean, I'm excited off of what they showed enough. Uh, next up, last thing, Kingdom Hearts indeed is coming back sooner than expected as Tetsuya Nomura has been teasing, though in a weird form with Melody of Memory, a rhythm game including songs from across all the entries. The trailer shows a cut towards either a teaser for the next game or an epilogue that will be in this game that deals with Kyrie and her events either during and after or during or after the events of Kingdom Hearts 3. The way it's cut together is hard to say. It's clearly trying to tease towards something. Um, this is interesting. It is because it's not surprising, though, because we already saw theater rhythm. Yeah. Final Fantasy. yeah. And people have been asking because people love the Kingdom Hearts music. People have been asking for a theater rhythm style game for a long time. I did think it was interesting that they tried to make it rhythm, but the characters are on screen and the way the rhythm works is that you are attacking. Yeah. So they tried making it a little closer to the Kingdom Hearts series. It's like, um, there's another game that's like that, isn't there? Wasn't it an indie game where you would attack in, uh, or you did something in flow with the music? I'm trying to remember what that was. I guess Thumper technically does that. In that yeah. game, because like you're hitting stuff as the as as and sound shapes I, also does that clearly. Sound shapes, is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. The, I get sound shapes confused with um, luminons for some reason. Oh yeah, L- is it lumen lumens luminons luminons? I always call it luminons or, or luminons. L- yeah, luminons. There's not a second in in there, but it's nice. no. There's not what well, lu not or well yeah i guess you're right luminez i guess i don't know how to say it either though so don't feel wrong every time i've ever seen it i'm like i wish someone would say that in front of me so i can just see how it's supposed to be said um either way i think i hope that this isn't the only version of kingdom hearts that tutsuri nomura was teasing oh god but we'll definitely see (laughs) what is sound shapes what do you mean Sound Shapes is a game you got the platinum in. Yeah, no, I blocked that game from my head and how infuriating that game was. I quit that game and came back to get the platinum for it. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I literally forgot that game on purpose, and now I just got brought back into my memory. That game is so BS when it comes to stuff. (laughs) 
because it's it's really cool because it's a very random game, but that that affects you really badly when you try to get the platinum. Yeah, the random generated aspect of it makes it really hard in that, in that regard. Uh, okay, let's see. What's a good community stake here? Do you have one in mind? How do you feel about uh, Crash Bandicoot? Yeah, that's a good one. If you're a Crash Bandicoot fan, how do you feel about it coming back with a new entry? Is this what you hoped for after the trilogy remake, or did you hope to just leave it alone and let a good thing be a good thing? And... If you've been enjoying the podcast and have been enjoying us as people, you can always leave us a like button. If you didn't like the podcast and didn't agree with us, let us know why, but then you get the dislike button. Always feel the need to subscribe at the video on YouTube because we do put up a video for this podcast every Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And we love, 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 love everybody, uh, all of our Patreons who help support this show because without you guys it would not be possible. And people often say, well... Um, that most YouTubers who say that have plenty of money. We have full-time jobs on top of this. So, <laughs> and Brett has a kid, which is also Happy Father's Day to Brett because today is Father's Day. It is Father's um, Day. And happy Father's Day to all of our community members yes, out there. If, you're, if, you're if you dad, are a dad, Happy Father's Day to you. Um, enjoy it. I'm sure you're a great dad. But yeah, if you like us, be sure to share us with your friends and and uh, hit us up and get our Discord, our our Twitter, get and talk with us. Tell us, tell us how it is. If you're going to talk to me on Discord, though, tag me because I have all my notifications for Discord off. So if they tag you, does it show up? It does. It shows like a, it shows a little red dot on my iPhone on the on the little app, and that's how you'll know. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Saul doesn't like to commute. I'm kidding. Saul does what he can, and I understand as well. I well, stay no, way Kiki, too busy. Kiki said like he's like, oh, he'll disappear for five days. I'm like, Kiki, I work 11 hours a day, and I cannot be on my phone at work like that. Yeah. I have like two opportunities at work I can be on my phone. You know and, what I think is part of the problem though? Huh? Me, they know that we work at the same place and they're like, well, Brett gets on every Well, now yeah, and then. because Brett uses his phone for work and I don't. Vastly different jobs. Yes. Yeah, Brett, <laughs> Brett, like they'll, they'll see Brett on his phone. It's like, oh, he might be talking to a customer or something. I don't have customers I can't talk to. Well, it's not even, I, I, really, it's quick for me to, I, I, when I take lunch, I normally do it. You're in a hurry. You're doing something totally different. Well, no, different. I, yeah, because I drive home for lunch. It takes me like roughly 12 minutes to drive home, 15 minutes sometimes. And then, it, so that's 30 minutes of commute there and I got 30 minutes to eat at home. And yeah. that's me making lunch and then eating. And you're it. chilling and relaxing and not trying to do I, I get it too. Well, I don't have, I don't even have time to really be on my phone that much because I get home, I'll make a sandwich or something, some chips. I'll have enough time to throw on the TV and eat and then pretty much head out the door because um, I don't like the fact that I get an hour-long lunch means I can go home and chill on my lunch. Which is not something eat. he used to be able to do. Uh, not be able to do. That's what I said. You, you, oh, he said it's nice, something he used to be able to do. Oh, it's not something he used to be able okay. to do. Okay. Gotcha. He said it's nice. Uh, it's nice. <laughs> but we appreciate everybody for listening and hanging out. Brett will now lead us through our yearly, I'm mean, not yearly, every episode tradition of him personally voicing off Patreons. And, uh, Are we going to switch to doing this once a year? <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding we love you guys we'll see you next week thank you all thanks to our patrons josh jarrell matthew green my name is dan luke bartolomeo sean santarude funk turkey danny villiobos Corey hickerson blake popst kevin bacon bits shadowist Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and of course, El Tabib. If you would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar per month. Thank you.